Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing 720. Now, I know on the last episode, uh, I said that the next episode was going to be covering mail-order monsters, but 720 uh, has kind of fallen into uh, my real-life world right now, and so I decided to go ahead and push this episode forward. So on episode 14, we'll talk about 720, and we will push our discussion of mail-order monsters back to the next episode, which will be episode 15 of Sprite Castle. Do you know what professional skateboard came in uh, to work with the team that developed 720? If you don't know, listen to this episode, and you will find the answer to that trivia question. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. Well, the big news, uh, podcast news for me, is that I have stepped down from No Quarter. No Quarter is the arcade-related podcast that I have been recording with Mike McGinnis. Uh, we just had some trouble getting our scheduling times lined out. Mike, uh, has a lot more free time on the weekends to record. I record more during the week. And, uh, so we juggled stuff back and forth, but in the end, we just, uh, couldn't get a time, a set time that, uh, worked for both of us. So I think no quarter, I think Mike's just taking a break from the show right now. So, um, but there are some other, uh, if you go check throwbacknetwork.net, uh, no quarter was running on that network, but there are some other uh, great arcade-related uh, podcasts out there. I know Ten Pence uh, is on the network, and there's some other arcade shows on there. And of course, um, there's some uh, the Pie Factory uh, is another good podcast. So there's there's some other arcade alternatives out there. I don't I didn't uh, uh, advertise those as much, I guess, when I was doing No Quarter. <laughs> Um, but, uh, they, they are all great shows. And so there's some other alternatives, uh, to go check out while and no quarter is on a hiatus, but I wanted to thank, uh, Mike and, uh, Carrington, who was the host before me for giving me that shot on no quarter. I had a really good time recording it. Uh, they're both great guys and I look forward to uh, no quarter returning and, uh, whatever happens next with that. But uh, that has freed up a little bit of recording time for me, and so I have launched a new show, uh, which is called Multiple Sadness. Uh, that's actually a, a funny line from an old, when I say old, uh, uh, horror movie from the, I believe it's in the 80s, um, called Witchboard. Uh, there's a funny scene in that where... Uh, <laughs> this car kind of explodes and the guy says multiple sadness. Um, but, um, anyway, I, I, I have a, uh, a passion. I've always been attracted to B movies, to bad movies, those kind of movies that are, uh, so bad that they're still enjoyable, you know, um, even if it's to, to mock them. Uh, but I, you know, I mean, I like them, I, I do get enjoyment out of it. So it's not just making fun of them, uh, but it's actually appreciating them. So anyway, uh, that new show is called multiple sadness. You can find multiple sadness at multiplesadness.com. 
there's a RSS feed that's been added to iTunes. Uh, so you could go check that out if you like uh, those type of movies. The first episode is already out, uh, in which I watched and discussed Microwave Massacre, <laughs> which is a classic film. I love that movie so much. Uh, and the second episode is going to cover Chopping Mall. Now, they're not all going to be uh, horror movies. There's some uh, other genres. I'm sure there's uh, bad action adventure movies, and uh, I've got a few bad uh Kung Fu and karate movies in mind and all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, it's not limited to horror movies. Just so happens that those are the first two shows. But, uh, if you like that kind of stuff, go check out multiplesadness.com. You can also, uh, just go to robohara.com forward slash podcasts. And there, uh, you will find a link to all the shows that I'm doing and links to the shows and, and feeds and iTunes links and, and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, in Commodore news, uh, there is uh, servant 64, that's S E R V A N T uh, 64. Uh, and there's a URL. That's the same thing. Servant 64 D E. Um, this is a new device, uh, that I've been seeing some, uh, some links on. And apparently what it is, is a, uh, a device that's being developed that will connect to the user port, of the Commodore 64, and it is a bi-directional USB connection uh, between uh, the Commodore and a PC. So it would let you load uh, and save uh, software, you know, from your PC. Like, I guess you would host it on your PC and load it from the Commodore 64, but also uh, I believe you're going to be able to use this as a, a network interface as well. So uh, I haven't been able to find too much information on, on it. Um, I, I was looking on on the web page, and unfortunately, uh, uh, I have to rely on uh, Google's translation to be able to to read it in English. So some of it's uh, not as clear, but uh, uh, this does look pretty cool. And, and they even have plans on how to uh, uh, solder your own if you get the board and things like that. So, uh, but I will be uh, watching for more news for that. That that looks like a promising little toy. Um, also. There's a new version of Contiki BBS out. Uh, you can find that on CSDB. And, of course, I had the links uh, to this on all these news stories uh, in the show notes. But uh, Contiki, if you've ever used the uh, operating system to get your Commodore 64 on the web, this is a web-ready uh, or internet-ready BBS, uh, if you want to run that actually on your Commodore 64 and, and have people be able to uh, telnet in or connect over the internet. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, you can, you can, there's lots of different ways to set BBSs up on the internet, but, uh, this is like a, a complete package solution. All you got to do is, is, um, get this disc and, and configure everything and, and then be ready to go. So if you're looking for a off the shelf, uh, so to speak, solution. This looks like a pretty good one. Uh, there's been a new uh, release from the uh, Hackersoft CIA exclusive list of crazy hacks, and that is Bionic Ninja. Uh, and it looks like, oh my gosh, this one has 23 uh, <laughs> different uh, cheats and hacks that they've added uh, into this one. And this uh, Bionic Ninja is one of those games that was uh, kind of difficult to play uh, you know, without any hacks or anything like that. So, uh, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. I don't, uh, normally cover Amiga news on this show. I'm, I'm definitely, this is a Commodore 64, uh, centric show. Uh, but there were a few Amiga headlines that caught my attention over the last week or so. Uh, the first one is that it looks like someone is about to, uh, or is kickstarting, 
making reproduction Amiga 1200 cases. You know, I know that um, this this recent Kickstarter for the Commodore 64C replacement cases was uh, super successful, and I have my box of all five sitting down uh, right next to my front door. I haven't even opened the box yet. I got this crazy idea. Like maybe if I don't open it in so long, maybe I'll try to resell it. It'll be like rare. <laughs> it's like the rare unopened uh, <laughs> box of cases. But um, uh, so it looks like there may be, uh, I don't think anybody found the molds for the Amiga 1200 cases. I think these are being maybe 3d printed and a mold's making of that or something. But um, uh, there seems to be some, uh, uh, motion behind this. I also saw that the uh, Amiga Mini Mig Core has been released for the Mist computer. Mist is a FPGA. I talked about it on one of my other podcasts, You Don't Know Flack, a few episodes ago. Um, but uh, the uh, the Mini Mig Core, you could just throw that right on an SD card, throw it into your Mist, and have your Mini Mig right there running on that. So um, one advantage of that looks to be that uh, uh, some peripherals may be supported through the USB ports on the MIST that weren't supported with the other Amiga cords out there. So that that seems uh, like it has some promise. Uh, and finally, it looks like a parallel port uh, SD card interface for the Amiga is being developed. I don't have any information on that other than that. Um, it's not uh, in production yet, but that would be a really simple solution for all these Amiga people. I know there are ways to... Uh, they have the CF replacement for the hard drive. They have different uh, ways of getting things over. I, I know that there is a uh, for you know you can hook a PCMCIA network card up to your Amiga. You can do lots of different things, but none of them are uh, as simple as something like uh, the 1541 Ultimate Solution. Some of those other cards that are out there for the 64. So something that you would just be able to plug directly into your Amiga, into the parallel port, and put an SD card in and, and load and play ADF files would be really cool. So I will, uh, I'll be watching that as well. I, I'll be honest with you, I have, um, over the last few months, I, I, I have an Amiga 500 and a 1200, but I've taken them apart off the desk right now and, and put them back in the closet just because I've been using the uh, Mist so much as a replacement. But um, uh, if if this card uh, is is uh, affordable and comes to fruition, then it might get me to drag drag those things back out of the closet. But anyway, let's get to uh, this episode's King of the Castle. This episode's King of the Castle is Steve Sharippa. You might remember Steve's name. He was the King of the Castle on episode 12, and here he is again on episode 14. So he has been the king twice. He's getting comfy uh, in his little throne over there. And remember, uh, after three times, you get to retire uh, as uh, Sprite Castle royalty. So, Steve, I know you will be listening uh, very closely to the song at the end of this episode. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to make this one really hard <laughs> because people are guessing the song so quickly. So uh, the song at the end of this episode, I'm going to make uh, a little more difficult than they've been. And we'll see how that, uh, uh, if people are still able to guess it. If you'd like to be the next episode's King of the Castle, all you need to do is correctly identify the secret 8-bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme in some way. 
Once you have identified the secret song, the first person to send the song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be the next king of the castle. And all those contacts are listed in the show's closing credits. So congratulations again uh, to Steve, and we'll see uh, who the next king of the castle is going to be. So Steve will be enjoying the show over there uh, in his comfy little throne. Those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy, who just got bitten by the neighbor's dog. All right. Boy, what a headache. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. This week's snack is Taco Bell. I know it sounds a little crazy, but um, uh, when I was a kid, I was big into skateboarding. I loved, uh, you know, during the 80s, what is it, mid-80s, 85, 86, 87, that era when skateboarding really made a big comeback and, and everybody was into skating. I was big time into uh, skating, and of course, that's what uh, 720 reminds me of, and, and uh, I had a motorcycle. My buddy, uh, Lewis, had a motorcycle, too, and so the two of us would... Uh, throw our skateboards on the back of the motorcycles and we would go to Taco Bell and go through and get uh, a big sack of tacos and we would drive around town looking for skate spots <laughs> and I would carry the food and Lewis had a little boom box uh, that he would carry on his on the back of his motorcycle and so we um, there was a in fact there was a little ditch that we used to skate just outside of town and so we would go there uh, and he would set up his little radio and we would sit there on the side of the ditch and, and eat tacos from Taco Bell. Uh, and then we would skate. So uh, there, there's something about that era and skateboarding that just always makes me think of just like those 10 packs of uh, Taco Bell tacos. So last night when I was going through and, and finalizing the show notes for this episode, that's exactly what I did. I went through Taco Bell and picked up some tacos and just sat here and, and wrote and ate tacos. Had a good time. So... Uh, if you are wanting to, to munch along during this episode, you can pause here and make a run for the border and go pick up a stack of cheap Taco Bell tacos. Man, I need to get some sponsors for this show. Does anybody know anybody that uh, knows the president of Taco Bell? <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, anyway, that's enough talking about tacos. Let's talk about some skateboarding. This episode of Sprite Castle is unique in that I will be reviewing two games at the same time, uh, and after writing the notes for this episode, I've decided no longer will I review two games at the same time. So I'll try to make things uh, as understandable as possible. But um, 720 was released twice for the Commodore 64. It was published in 1987 by U.S. Gold, and that was in the U.K. I know it's confusing that U.S. Gold is for the U.K., <laughs> and they didn't do the U.S. version. But the next year, Mindscape uh, released their version of 720 for the U.S. market in 1988. Both of these versions support one or two players and use joystick controls. U.S. Gold is a UK-based company. They released 171 Commodore 64 games, according to Moby Games. Uh, they started off with Beachhead and Pole Position in 1983, and in 1992, the last year that they have entries for, they released the Bonanza Brothers, 
Ghouls of Ghosts, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and Street Fighter II. So they were a very uh, prolific publisher company for the Commodore 64. Mindscape, I'm sure you've heard of. They released 46 games for the Commodore 64, according to Moby Games. Uh, they started in 1984 with Indiana Jones and the Lost Kingdom. And in 1990, they rounded out their 64 publishing library with some games like Days of Thunder and Head Over Heels and Outrun. Uh, so that's uh, interesting that not only did both companies release Indiana Jones games, but they both released ports of the game 720. U.S. Gold, uh, this version of the game was programmed by Chris Butler, who worked on titles such as Commando, Ghosts of Goblins, Space Harrier, and Power Drift. Uh, so he was a uh, uh, really into Commodore programming. He used some interesting opcodes from what I've read uh, that may have caused this game to not be very reliable, that it may have crashed, but um, uh, I, I haven't certainly uh, noticed that. Uh, and the music on the U.S. Gold version was done by Ben Daglish. Uh, he has 87 games on Lemon 64 listed under his credits. He did the music for games like Blasteroids, Flintstones, uh, The Last Ninja. That's a very, very uh, famous music song uh, on the Commodore. Skate Rock. He did the, the music for Gauntlet 1 and 2, on and on. So Ben Daglish is a very proficient musician on Commodore 64 and is responsible for some of the system's most well-known uh, little songs. The uh, Mindscape version was done by Tengen, and uh, as you know, basically that is just a, a subsidiary of Atari, and they do not list any uh, individual programmers who worked on this, so I don't know specifically the people that worked on it. Now, the name of this game, 720 Degrees, refers to being able to spin around twice in a circle. That's um, two complete rotations. One would be 360. Uh, so back in 1986, when the arcade version came out, the 720 was almost a mythical type trick that no one had been able to perform. In fact, uh, 540s were, uh, or a McTwist, as you may know them, uh, were actually considered to be a very difficult trick. Uh, Tony Hawk landed the first 720 uh, in a competition, and 10 years later, he landed a 900, which is two and a half rotations, at the 1999 X Games. Before we get started, I'm going to play three music tracks for you. The first one is uh, a little sample of one of the songs that appears in 720 in the arcade version of 720. So here's that. Here's the same song as it appears in the U.S. Gold version of 720. And finally, here's the version as it appears in the Mindscape port of 720.
context of this game, like I said, in 1980s, there was a huge resurgence of skateboarding. Uh, it started on the coast, of course, of California and moved uh, across the country. In the mid-1980s, there were several uh, famous uh, professional skateboarders. We had Tony Hawk. We had Steve Caballero, Gator, um, Mickey Alda. Um, there, there was just so many, uh, you know, Pal and Peralta. There was all these companies, GNS, uh, Vision Street, where we had uh, Thrasher Magazine, all these great things. Uh, it was just an entire uh, skateboarding culture. I really, really liked that time. And so to capitalize on that, in 1986, Atari released 720, uh, the arcade game. And uh, I just, the reason I'm doing this on Sprite Castle is because on my other podcast, You Don't Know Flack, I covered 720, the arcade game. So if you want to know more about the arcade version of this game, uh, you could go check out the latest episode of You Don't Know Flack. Um, so in this one, I'm just going to uh, try to stick to talking about the Commodore 64 versions, plural. Uh, at that time, arcade conversions were pretty much expected. So anytime there was a arcade game that was remotely popular, you would find that game ported to uh, uh, home computer systems and home video games. Uh, I looked at uh, both of the manuals of this one. The U.S. Gold version is a lot more bare. It just talks about the game in general, um, you know, and, and what you're supposed to do. The Mindscape version is a little bit more detailed. It explains all four events, uh, how to perform different moves, and exactly what the equipment upgrades do in this game. I'll be talking about that here in just a minute. On the title screen, both versions have the number 720. There was a 720 logo, kind of a stylized font. And so they both have that. Uh, the Mindscape version actually boots up to a picture of a skater. Uh, I believe he's doing a hand plant. I have to go back and check. But uh, uh, no, he's kind of just doing like a, a little jump and he's holding onto the board. But uh, it, it's similar to the picture that appeared on the arcade flyer. Um, so, uh, graphically that one has a little bit of an advantage as far as gameplay. These games both play the same because they are ports of the, uh, arcade version. You are in control of a skateboarder. Now in the arcade version, uh, you have a spinning joystick and you have two buttons. One was for kick, which meant push with your foot. Uh, and the other one was for jump, and you would press that to uh, make your little skateboarder jump. Uh, and you can also use these buttons. Uh, the jump button is also used when performing, uh, I think, tricks, mostly in the half-pipe uh, competition would be the other place uh, that it would do something different. Uh, but on the Commodore 64, we are limited to a DB9 joystick, and so uh, use the uh, an Atari-style joystick to control your skater to move around in a circle. And uh, basically, you just hold one direction, and that is the same as doing kicking uh, on the arcade game. And the button is used to jump. Um, both of these versions of the game, I should mention that I, uh, 720 is presented in a isometric, uh, pseudo 3D type layout. You know, similar to Zaxxon and Congo Bongo, those style of games. And what that means is, on this joystick, you're going to be having to precisely hit diagonal directions. All the time. <laughs> so instead of holding up to go 
let's say north uh, on this game, you're going to hold diagonal up and right, which means if you jump and need to do a 360, you have to move the joystick in a th- you know a circular motion, but you need to stop exactly on that diagonal point, and it's very difficult to do. Um, both versions are uh, touchy when it comes to the controls, and you will be frustrated <laughs> on either version. So uh, the game begins uh, as a skater. You're in Skate City. Each city has uh, skate parks that are scattered throughout the city, little ramps and jumps and things that you could go explore. Uh, Each city has four different skate events, and there are also four different equipment upgrade booths. Uh, You can upgrade your helmet, your shoes, your pads, and your board. Uh, I didn't write this down, but the helmet... uh, uh, when you upgrade your helmet, you can spin faster. Uh, shoes make you jump higher. Pads allow you to get up more quickly after you fall, and the board uh, makes you go faster. Um, and so on each level of Skate City, you can go uh, and spend money and upgrade those things. The four events are Jump, Downhill, Ramp, and Slalom. Uh, And so each one of those are um, a little bit different. Uh, In the Jump, you go down a series of ramps, and you have to jump uh, in an exact spot and do spins and land and and build up enough points. Uh, Downhill... You uh, you go down a series of ramps, and it's not about jumping. It's about finding the line that will get you down the ramps uh, in the quickest manner. The ramp is a half pipe, and you go back and forth on the half pipe and do tricks. Uh, each one of these are timed. And then finally is the slalom, where you go down a series of ramps and have to go in between uh, these little flags. Now, the goal of each one of these is to do them as quickly as possible, uh, for two reasons. Number one, you're trying to get a uh, a gold medal. There's gold, silver, and bronze, and then did not qualify, which is the one I see a lot. Um, but the other thing is you get points based off that, and points are going to relate into tickets. You need tickets to get into these parks. So you start with a couple of tickets, and you'll be able to get in. But if you don't continue to score high, you're going to run out of tickets, uh, and then you're not going to be able to get into parks, and you will be stuck in Skate City. Now, that actually sounds fun. I mean, it sounds like fun to be stuck in Skate City. I would love to go there and do that. However, uh, there is a timer, and when the timer runs out, you will see killer bees, and these killer bees will appear uh, as a little swarm at first when they're slow, and then they will pick up speed, and they will change to a different uh, different shaped device, like an arrow or something like that. Uh, and then when the bees touch you, your game is over. Now, one of the things the arcade game is known uh, maybe most famously for is the digitized speech that would say skate or die when that timer would run out and the bees would be unleashed. Neither one of these versions from the Commodore 64 has digitized speech. They just have a thing that pops up on the screen that reads skate or die, but there's no, uh, no one speaks that. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, home computer ports of arcade games leave things out. Obviously, the sound isn't going to be the same. You may not have digitized speech or things that the arcade version has, but 
Unfortunately, the arcade game is known so well <laughs> for that digitized speech um, that you do kind of expect it, and it does take away uh, a little bit. You know, Atari was definitely known during that time. All their games, like Paperboy, uh, Gauntlet, Road Blasters, they all had digitized voice, and so it, it does uh, seem like it's missing uh, from this version. The uh, Some trivia... Uh, related to this game, if you uh, suspected that Tony Hawk was the professional skateboarder that was brought in to work with the Atari development team, you would be wrong. The person who came in was Steve Caballero, and Steve Caballero was another famous skater of that time, and I actually have a Steve Caballero skate deck uh, out in my garage. I loved uh, uh, Steve Caballero, and there are a lot of Skateboarding tricks, uh, if you've heard of things like half cab and things like that, those were named, uh, invented by and named after Steve Caballero. There are a few collectibles that go with 720, and I talked about these on the You Don't Know Flack episode, so if you want to hear uh, more detail about these, you can check out that show. But uh, the one that really relates to this one is that uh, the versions of this game that came on cassette tape uh, including the Commodore 64 version, on the B side, the, the back side of the cassette tape, it contains the complete audio tracks from the arcade version of the game. So uh, you could load up uh, the uh, the U.S. Gold <laughs> release on cassette tape, and I'll mention why that is in just a minute. Uh, and then while you were playing, you could put the cassette on the other side and play the tracks uh, from the arcade version. Now, each track is is uh, in the game correlates to a level or a skate park and things like that. So you wouldn't get that effect. But the the music that's on the backside of the tape is much better than the music that uh, is included in the games. Uh, there aren't many other 720 collectibles out there, but uh, I'd mention this, like I said in the other show, uh, Nike did put out a pair of SB Dunks that were uh, 720 brand. They contain all the colors that you see in the flyer. There's pink and yellow and light blue and orange and uh, black and white checkered. Uh, and they are definitely ugly shoes, but I do have a pair of those. Uh, <laughs> so uh, when, you're, when you're a fan of a game like I am, then uh, you take what you can get. Uh, let's talk about a few comparisons between these two versions of 720. In the U.S. Gold version, uh, all the player characters, I mean, the the player and all the other people, are much taller and skinnier, uh, so everything seems to be very uh, tall and slender. Uh, the U.S. Gold version, everything is much faster. The game plays much more quickly. Uh, the graphics are not as good as the other version, but, um, you know, everything moves so much more quickly. Um, the one big selling point, and, uh, this would be perhaps because it was developed in the UK is that it is a single load game. Uh, so it loads into memory and then you can play the entire game. So there is no more disc access or anything like that, which is why, uh, this version was released on cassette and why you can, uh, they were able to, you know, put the music on the backside. So once the game is loaded and you're playing, you can remove that cassette, uh, and there's no more access to it. The Mindscape version, which was released in the U.S. the following year in 1988. First of all, uh, on the graphics, everything is much fatter. The skater, he just looks much heavier. Um, and because all the graphics are bigger, you can see less of the play area at one time. 
Uh, the game also runs much more slowly when you jump on the skateboard. It's almost like uh, you're controlling a hoverboard. Uh, I mean, you kind of just glide around, and when you jump, you jump really high. <laughs> and it, it's almost comical, like how high and slow you jump. Um, it, it's like you're floating on air. It's more like you're air surfing uh, than skateboarding. On the Mindscape version, uh, the music uses all three voices on the Commodore 64. And so uh, if you jump or you do different things and the game has to make those sound effects, that channel drops out of the music. Uh, so I kind of like the music overall for the U.S. Gold version better than the Mindscape one just for that reason. Also, this entire game revolves around you traveling diagonally. Uh, you're always going diagonally, pretty much the entire time. Um, and the Mindscape version doesn't scroll diagonally. <laughs> it's constantly scrolling a little bit to one side and then up or down. So if you're traveling uh, you know, down and to the right, the game, the, the play area constantly will go down, right, down, right, down, right. It's very jittery. It's very distracting. Uh, it makes you think that you're not holding the joystick <laughs> properly diagonally. Uh, it's very, it's a very weird feeling and it, and it, um, will give you a headache to be honest with you if you play very long. Um, so like I said, uh, the U S gold one, the first one I mentioned, the UK version is a single loader. The Mindscape is a multi-loader. So each time you go to a park, there will be disc access and asked to load. Uh, I assume it's the different uh, area as well as the different music. in. so it's a, it works. Everything's just a little bit slower. And that, that's the way I would, I would compare these two versions. Unfortunately, neither one's perfect uh, because the U S gold version, I think plays a little too fast and the Mindscape version plays a little bit uh, too slowly. Now there is a third version. If you go on lemon 64 and you look for 720, you may see, uh, a third release called 720 Part 2. That's just a unreleased hack of the U.S. Gold version. Uh, the guys who hacked it changed the color, and they slightly modified the map a little bit, and they put uh, different cracking groups in for the names of the parks and stuff like that. But um, uh, otherwise, it plays identically to the U.S. Gold version. There were several other ports of 720 to different systems. Uh, like I said, the arcade machine was released in 1986. Um, the uh, Amstrad, CPC, Game Boy Color, NES, and ZX Spectrum all received different ports. The U.S. Gold version made it to the Amstrad CPC, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, and then the Mindscape version is the one that was ported to the NES. Uh, the Nintendo, the NES. Um, so as far as those first ones, the Amstrad CPC version looks okay. It looks pretty good. The ZX Spectrum one looks terrible. <laughs> it looks, uh, and I think I say that every time I, maybe I, maybe the ZX Spectrum, maybe every game looks terrible. I don't know. Uh, but this one, it's everything's uh, yellow and black, and it's almost like you're playing in a wireframe kind of thing. It just does not look very good to me. Uh, and then, like I said, Mindscape got the uh, – uh, they ported the NES one, which makes sense. Uh, I'm sure it was a Tengen ten 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 release uh, for the NES. Then there's the uh, Game Boy Color version, which is a different port, and it is awful. I, uh, I have not played it, but I looked it up on YouTube, and it just does not look very good. Um, there are some arcade ports 
of this game. Uh, you can find it on Midway Anthologies, which would be probably a PS2 era uh, release. So it's probably on the uh, GameCube uh, and original Xbox as well. And then there is a uh, one of my listeners, after hearing the episode on You Don't Know Fleck, pointed out that there is a PSP uh, version of the Midway anthologies as well, and that um, it seems to be one of the better ports. Uh, I think the controls are a little bit more conducive to uh, uh, playing this game on a on a console. So if you really want to do that, um, this game with whatever joystick you have is very difficult to play in Mame. <laughs> if you want to play the arcade version, so that that is one thing that the uh, uh, computer versions, uh, either one of these versions for the Commodore have going for them is that they were programmed with uh, an Atari joystick in mind. Let's talk a little bit about my personal memories of 720. All right, time travelers. Seatbelt fastened. Look, the doorway to the past. Memory. Like I said, uh, 720 was a popular arcade game. It came out during the height of uh, skateboard mania. Uh, I talked uh, a lot about this in the uh, You Don't Know Flack, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, we had a friend of a friend, I guess I would say, uh, worked at a local arcade and uh, got us uh, free credits on the 720 machine. That was the first time I would saw 720 or played it before, and I was really hooked on that. Um, but of course, as a kid getting to arcade was hard, you know, and then, uh, even if you could get your parents to take you to an arcade, I mean, there were arcades much closer to me. This arcade uh, that had 720 was like 45 minutes away and there were several arcades local to me. So, uh, my parents didn't see the point of taking me 45 minutes away when there were arcades close by. Uh, so not just, it wasn't just getting to an arcade. It was getting to an arcade, uh, that had 720. And so when I couldn't do that, then I played these Commodore 64 versions. I I played the U.S. Gold version uh, much more than the Mindscape one. In fact, I don't think I didn't uh, even see the Mindscape one until probably a few years after it was released. The U.S. Gold was uh, the first release, and it was definitely the one. Um, you know, it was released for the U.K., but in the Commodore world at BBS land, it was quickly patched and, and made it, you know, on BBSs across to the U.S. So that's the version that I grew up playing. Um, I never thought that it was as good as the arcade, um, but it was one of those things when you couldn't get a ride to the arcade, uh, then it kind of uh, met that niche, I guess. Uh, and that's what I would say about both these versions. They're both okay in their own way, just okay, uh, but neither one is as good as the arcade version. Um, the music is similar. The graphics uh, are similar. The gameplay is the same idea. Uh, but they're just not as good as the arcade ports. For graphics, I give both versions of 720 a 3 out of 5. Uh, they look good. They look okay. They're just not great. And definitely they don't reflect uh, the, the great graphics and colors and everything else that appear in the arcade version. Uh, for music, I'll give them 4 out of 5. I think they're good. Um, they're not perfect. Uh, they do, you can tell, you know, what the tracks are from the arcade, and they do sound good. Um, so, yeah, I'll give them 4 out of 5. Uh, for sound effects, I would probably give both of these games maybe a 1, 1 and a half out of 5. There's very little sound effects in them. Uh, it's more music-based type game, and what stuff is there is very simple. 
Uh, overall gameplay, I'm going to give both of these games 3 out of 5. Again, I hope that doesn't sound too harsh, uh, because I do enjoy the 720 uh, arcade version, and these versions just leave um, a little bit to be desired, which is why, ultimately, I purchased a 720 arcade cabinet. I owned the cabinet for 15 years up until yesterday, <laughs> at which point I sold it to the very fine people over at the Arcadia Retrocade, which is located in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So if you would like to play 720, an arcade version of 720, and I'm sure there are other arcades out there, but if you want to play uh, a really clean-looking machine and my old machine, Head on over to Arcadia Retrocade in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you'll be able to play my old 720 machine. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. The next game I will be covering is Mail Order Monsters. If you'd like to play Mail Order Monsters before the next show is released, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click the Downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on the show. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at RobOHara at RobOHara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SpriteCastle or leave me a voicemail on the Flat Podcast Hotline 405-486-YDKF. SpriteCastle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Throwback Reviews, and the brand new Multiple Sadness Podcast, you can find links to all these shows at robohara.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back and skate or die, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.